Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 166. It's January 18th, 2016. I'm your host, John Pagliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, in today's episode, I just wanted to give you a quick rundown of what I'm seeing in the markets, and I'm entitling this episode 2016 NoCast. And the reason I'm calling it a NoCast is that a lot of people are asking me questions that I simply can't answer. Everybody right now wants a solid forecast. They want a solid prediction of where this market is headed. They want to know if we're going to fall into the depths of a bear market or whether things are going to bounce up tomorrow and we're going to go on to all new record highs. Well, this is a no cast because I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. I can't predict the future. I don't have a crystal ball. If I had a Ouija board, I wouldn't know how to use it. And so while in this episode, I will give you some commentary for myself where I think things are headed and try and back that up with a little bit of data to justify my rationale, the point is I cannot predict the future and neither can anyone else. And I think it's important that you really understand that and take it to heart because in my estimation, the reason that individual investors uh, do so poorly and lose so much money in the stock market is that they put their faith all in one individual or all in one event. And so they'll hear a talking head that'll say something that sounds rational and makes sense to them, and then they'll throw all money into that particular strategy. And it usually fails. And it doesn't matter whether it's a bull market strategy or a bear market strategy. And that's because no one strategy works all the time. And usually when you see someone on TV, well, that's nothing more than a sales pitch. And you shouldn't believe that person any more than you would believe a used car salesman. This is the way the media works. And you might want to go back, if you're new to this podcast, go back and listen to the first 10 episodes. Um, that's where I lay out my philosophy, my foundation, what I've learned over the last 30 years of investing. And in the eighth episode, that's where I talk about wealth building principle number eight. It talks about propaganda. And a lot of what you get in the media is propaganda. So if you haven't heard it, you might want to check out that episode. In any case, back to the media. So the reason so many individual investors fail is they'll turn on their TV or their radio or their favorite podcast or whatever. And whenever they're hearing about the current market condition, they're given that perspective from two standpoints and they're always polar opposites. They'll hear it from black and white or on or off or left or right. And so one commentator that's supposedly an expert He'll give his prognostication about how we're in a bull market and you should invest everything and the market's going straight up and he'll have credentials. He'll have a Harvard MBA or he'll, you know, have been in the industry forever or he'll have been the guy that called the last market correction or whatever. He'll have these amazing credentials and he'll give you a very passioned plea for why the market is going to be in the most best bull market in history and that you should invest in it so you don't miss out on the opportunity. And then the guy sitting right next to him will give the bear market argument and he'll have equal credentials and with equal passion, he will say exactly 180 degrees out of phase what the other guy said and he'll sound extremely convincing, but he'll tell you that this is the worst bear market correction of all time. You should not be invested in the stock market and you should have your money in something else like gold or real estate or, or whatever he's hawking. And as an individual investor, you look at these two people that are obviously on TV, they have credentials, they're probably a lot smarter than you and know a lot more than you do, and yet they're saying totally different things. And then what the media further does to confuse things is, is that within a day or a week or a month or a year, they'll drag one of those two people back out whose ever prediction was most accurate. They'll drag them out 
and they'll say, you know, six months ago, Fred called the bull market, yada, yada, yada. And then you're supposed to believe what Fred is saying now and that it's relevant to the market we're in now. Well, that's not the way the stock market works. The stock market goes up and down in cycles. And these experts, they're generally always either for bull markets or the other experts that are generally always only for bear markets. You can't put your faith or credence in them. In fact, you can't put it in anybody. Don't put it in me. I can't predict the future. I don't know what the stock market's going to do tomorrow. Heck, I can't even tell you what I'm having for lunch tomorrow. So what do you do? Well, you do what I do. You look at previous markets. You study history. You study human nature. You collect data points. And you put them into forms that are simple and that you can understand. I happen to really like simple moving averages. And I can use a simple moving average to not only evaluate the price of a current stock, but I can also use it to evaluate the volume of that stock or the earnings of that stock. Or I can use that same theory of the simple moving average and I can apply that to advanced decline lines or to relative strength or to literally a hundred other things. Now, if I was trying to sell you some kind of an investing program or a book or something, I'd talk about this fancy, sophisticated algorithm that I have and how it's been back-tested, and it'd all be BS because no one has a, an algorithm or a method for accurately predicting the future. And that's why I prefer to use simple methods because the more simple they are, I think they're also more elegant that way, and they also ground me in reality because if I had a really complex black box system that was run by some IBM, you know, super Watson computer, then I would get lured into the false belief that maybe I can predict the future. That because I really can't see all the mechanisms of it, that this algorithm or supercomputer or black box or patented proprietary trading system, whatever it is, that it is somehow smarter than me and it can predict the future. And I would rely on it too heavily. What I like about using simple things like moving averages, like relative strength, like price volume action, like historical data, why I like using those things is that they're not complicated. And when it comes time to making a decision, I know that I'm not predicting the future. I know that I'm simply basing my decisions on rational thought that I was able to deduce through current market conditions in the light of previous historic data. But that data is not so complicated that I think it's some kind of a time machine that can tell me the accurate answer of what's going to happen in the future because it's simply a moving average. It's, you know, 50 numbers divided by themselves and plotted on a, on a chart or on a graph. So that grounds me in reality. I don't trade like I'm the smartest guy in the market. In fact, I prefer to be humble and trade like I'm the dumbest guy in the market. That makes me always question things and it saves me from losing a lot of money. So think of it this way. Even though you can't tell the future, you can still use these simple moving averages and relative strength and price and volume action and previous charts that showed boom and bust cycles. You can use those because those are concrete historical data. And although they don't allow you to predict the future, they at least tell you what has happened in the past. And just like a road map, imagine that you have an old-fashioned road map that's helping you along your, your journey. Well, that roadmap was constructed based on historic data. It knows what city it is. It knows what the streets are named in that, in that city or town, and it knows how they're laid out. And it's all built on historical information. Now, that roadmap isn't going to know that three blocks ahead of you, there's just been a tragic accident and the road is shut down and you have to detour around it because that's a current event that's not shown on your map. That's a prediction that that map couldn't have made. 
but that doesn't stop you from using the map because the map gets you to the general area. Just like things like charts and moving averages and relative strength, they put you in the relative area of where you want to be when you're making your decision for investments in the stock market, but they don't tell you what's going to happen the next day. They don't tell you what's happening three blocks down the road. You don't know if that bridge was just washed out because a flash flood came through. The map would have no way of knowing that, just like any algorithm you create is not going to have any idea of some type of a catastrophe happening tomorrow in the stock market. I like to point out that back on September 11th, 2001, at 8 o'clock in the morning, everything was going just fine in New York. It wasn't another hour, hour and a half that the history of the world was changed and it occurred because 19 hijackers had box cutters and hijacked planes and flew them into the World Trade Center. No algorithm could have predicted that was going to happen, and so although that's an extreme dramatic example, that kind of thing happens every day in the stock market. We can make some assumptions about where the price of oil was going to go, but we don't know what's going to happen in the Middle East or in Nigeria or in Finland that's going to affect the price of oil that day. It doesn't matter what kind of supercomputer we have. It doesn't matter what type of high-frequency trading we do. And so what I encourage people to do as individual investors is take a simple approach. Look at simple charts. Look at simple historic data. Look at previous earnings reports. Look at moving averages. Those are the things that are going to guide and direct you. No, you won't be able to predict the future, but you at least know where you're at and you'll understand your limitations. And because of that, you'll be less likely to rely on some supposed expert guru that has all the right answers that's just going to fleece you. And you'll also learn not to bet all your money on one horse or not to keep all your eggs in one basket. You'll know that because you can't predict the future, you're going to make very safe trades and that you're going to trade frequently under the assumption that you're going to do it in a rational manner and that although not all your trades will work out, you're going to cut your losses on the trades that fail, which will help you maximize your profits. I know I threw a lot into this and I said a whole bunch of things quickly, but that's the essence of how smart people trade. That's the essence of swing trading and trend following trading. Over the last 160 odd podcasts, you've heard me talk about these different techniques. Go back and listen to them. Read my blog over at investablewealth.com. I recently put two blog posts over there where I compared the current performance of the S&P 500 to, to earnings. I compared it to earnings in U.S. dollars. I also compared it to earnings in ounces of silver. Trailing 12-month earnings are an example of historical data that is readily available to you. You can manipulate that in various ways. You can express it in dollars. You can express it in ounces of silver or barrels of oil. Or you can put it into a moving average. Or you can compare it to a previous boom or bust cycle. These are all simple, reliable methods to help you get your head around current market conditions so that you can approach the stock market in a rational manner. Take the emotion out of it. Take the fear and the greed out of it. Now, having said that, I know you're going to want to know, well, where do I think the market is headed? Okay, well, over the near and longer term, I think the market is heading down. I think it's heading lower. I don't know if we'll get into a full-fledged bear market where the market drops down to 1600 on the S&P 500. I think it's likely. I think it's probable. But I can't predict that it's going to happen. As I stated before, as long as we stay above 1850 on the S&P 500, that keeps us out of bear market territory. But we are right smack in the middle of a correction. So will that correction linger around for another day or three weeks or three months? Again, I have no way of knowing. 
But because this market has changed personality and it started back around June or July in 2015, where the market became more volatile, it moved out of its range and you could see that big institutional investors were no longer coming in, buying the dip and supporting those lows and then causing them to go on to all-time record highs. You could see that happening in the charts with the price volume action. I think that that change in personality has moved us to what we're in now with this correction. I think it's risky to buy on the dips right now, even though we are likely to get a short-term rally. We're likely to get a dead cat bounce because people will think that the markets are too oversold, that there's been too much fear. And so people will come in with greed and they'll buy at the bottom. It may go up two or three or 4%, but I think it's likely to pull back down just like it has in every attempted rally since July. That's been the personality of this market, and I'm going to keep believing that that's the personality of this market until I see through charts and through simple moving averages that the price of either individual stocks or the price of the S&P 500 have broken out above those trends. Right now we're trending down. I'm not going to believe we're out of it until I see us trending up. I think that's the safe and prudent thing to do. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you what I'm doing. I'm not risking my money at this point. And if things do start to trend up before I get back into the market, well, that's fine. That's an opportunity cost that I'm willing to accept because it prevents me from losing all my money in a catastrophic loss, which are likely to happen when the S&P 500 is trading below its 100-day moving average. So if you don't get into the S&P 500 until it's trading above its 100-day moving average, you're very unlikely to suffer a catastrophic loss. Now, am I saying that I would use that simple rule of thumb there in every trading situation? No, I'm just pointing out an example, a very simple illustration to show you how a historical moving average can help you trade in the market. Now, it doesn't help you predict the future, but it helps you from suffering a catastrophic loss. It's just like crossing the street at an intersection. When you're in the crosswalk, if you wait for the traffic light to tell you that it's safe to walk across the street and then you just walk across the street in the path that's mapped out for you in the crosswalk, that doesn't mean that you're not going to get hit by a drunk driver or that someone's not going to come by on a bicycle and sideswipe you. But your probability is much more likely for safety and successful crossing of that street if you walk down the crosswalk when the traffic light is telling you it's your turn to cross. It doesn't guarantee success. It just gives you a better probability of success. That's all we can hope for because none of us can predict the future. Well, the stock market's the same way. That's all we can hope for by using these moving averages and this historical data because none of us can predict the future. We can just use the historical data as a framework to provide us with a means for establishing rational thought and to aid our critical thinking. That's it. That's all it's good for. But it's been my experience over the last 30 plus years that if you do that, that's enough to make you a successful investor and can help you build significant wealth. It's not going to work as a get-rich-quick scheme. It's not going to help you win the lottery. You're not going to become Warren Buffett overnight. But if you apply these simple techniques consistently over time based on your own trading personality and you're diligent about it, then you can build significant wealth. So as far as this current market, I remain pessimistic, which is nothing new. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know pretty much I've been pessimistic going back to last March. And I've been very cautious moving forward. And so now that we're in the middle of the correction, I'm going to do my best to not risk jumping in too soon and getting pulled down in a bear market. That's why I'm advancing and moving ahead cautiously and slowly. 
We see global markets slow across the board, from emerging markets to developed markets. They're all performing poorly. The best game in town right now is the United States stock market. We know that the overall global economy is trending slower because, as I record this, oil is at $29 a barrel. At the same time that the fear index is extremely high, we're still seeing gold trading at under $1,100 an ounce. The U.S. dollar is holding steady, which is an interesting phenomenon because at the same time we're seeing the yield on the 10-year Treasury just hovering above 2%. I expect if Treasury yields continue to fall that the U.S. dollar has to come down as well. And then as we specifically look at the S&P 500, we see it being in a pretty much confirmed downtrend going back for at least six months. Since July, every breakout attempt has resulted in lower highs and lower lows. Currently with the S&P 500 trading at around 1880, it is above that panic level that I talk about at 1850, which I believe separates a correction from a bear market. But we are testing the lows that occurred during the August flash crash. We're seeing the deterioration of the market very broadly now. The previous leaders, the things like Facebook and Google, their price are starting to come down as well. We're seeing a very broad and a very deep decline in stocks in general. I think this past Friday, we've seen one of the lowest readings on the advanced decline line, which was something like 500 stocks up, but about 2,600 stocks down. That's a drastic reading. It could point to the fact that maybe we're hitting a short-term bottom because there's exhaustion among the bears and there's no more stocks left to go down. I don't know, but again, when I look at the overall trend of the market since July, the trend is down. I'm most likely not going to jump back into this market until I see some type of confirmation that that trend is moving upward instead of continuing downward. When that occurs, I'll know it because of the chart patterns and the moving averages and the relationship between price and volume and relative strength. The other thing that's very concerning to me is the degree that we're seeing a meltdown in the small cap stocks. That's the canary in the coal mine. That's the place where illiquidity and fear and panic show up first. And so as we look at the S&P 500 and its performance so far this year, we see that that major index is down 8%. That's a significant amount. That's from a historical standpoint, one of the worst Januaries on record. And as bad as that 8% is, when we look at the Russell 2000, which tracks the small cap stocks, we see the performance there significantly worse, down more than 11% year to date. And so this is an easy example of how I can compare relative strength to you. The overall S&P 500 is down 8%. The small cap stocks are down 11%. That's a difference of over 35%. And so on a relative basis, the small cap stocks are performing at a rate that is 35% worse than the general market. These are the type of numbers that lead me to believe that the worst isn't over yet. So watch out for these dead cat bounces. In the previous episode, I played that little Lucky Star song for you. I think you're going to need that over the coming days and weeks if you're going to try and catch the falling knife and jump into this market. Now, if things change or turn around, I'll likewise change my opinion, and you may see me jump in. I don't think I'd jump in to the S&P 500 at, a, at 100% or 70 or 50%. I would likely ease in with you know 25% type positions and do that incrementally. But as I sit right now in my catbird seat and I look out over the terrain of this market correction, I don't think I'm even going to take the chance to try and catch the bottom. 
I think the coming days and coming weeks are going to further deteriorate. And once we get through this earnings season and the market starts to digest the fact that we are in a global slowdown and that earnings rates are continuing to decrease, I think we're going to see lower lows as we work our way through February into March and maybe even into April. That's my prediction. But remember, this is a no cast. I can't see the future. I can't provide an accurate forecast. This is just my opinion. You have to assess the data and draw your own conclusions. And I'll leave it at that. And so until our next episode, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best of returns.